0: At long last, it's time for the big mama, the doozy, the the, the pièce de résistance. It's time to talk about how to evaluate quarterbacks here on Locked On Vikings. You like it on three, one, two, three! You, you like it! are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Each and every day, you can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including YouTube and even Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Uh, This whole week has been a week of how I scout stuff. It's just me. This is my. I'm not a coach. I'm not a player. I'm just a fan, right? But how we, how we as fans from the outside in, can can scout players if we want to kind of play along with the draft process, right? That's kind of what this whole week has been. I'm out of town this week. These are all pre-recorded episodes, Uh, so you're listening to the. I'm time traveling. This is past me. I'm, I'm, this is a week into the future is when you'll be listening to this. <laughs> I will be back on Monday. So if any news has happened this week that you're really eager to, to hear me, t- me talk about, that will be Monday. I'll see you all then. But for now, let's wrap this little how to scout series out with uh, how to scout quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are so hard. All right. And I don't think that there is any shame. And this is, this is what I did, honestly, for four years. There is no shame in just not having a take on quarterbacks. I'm just I don't, know. I I didn't have a take on Herbert coming out. I didn't have a take on uh, Tua. I did not know anything about Tua coming out. I think I had maybe a mild take on Herbert just based off of like osmosis. I didn't really have any takes on the 2020 quarterbacks, the 2019 quarterbacks like Haskins and those guys. I didn't really have any sense even for. I I, I paid a little attention to Fields and like Trey Lance and stuff and that whole deal. But it was kind of like, well, Trevor Lawrence seemed to be everybody agreed to be that he was the best one. So it didn't seem like it was worth a lot. And also because, I mean, I was covering the Vikings draft and they weren't going to draft quarterbacks any of those years. But now that they're into one, I'm, I'm getting more. Um, I, I've spent a little bit more time the last couple of years looking at what I think about the quarterbacks. But even like last year's quarterbacks, like most of my opinion was based off of like, Osmosis, someone else's take, I pulled it in just to populate a big board, but it wasn't that serious, and I want to fix that. I want to make things a little bit more serious, but of all of the positions out there, the ones I've talked about this week and the ones I haven't, quarterback is the one that probably requires the most prerequisite knowledge to actually be able to understand what is going on in like on the field, what's going on in their heads, what they're thinking about, what they were trying to do. Um, I don't think that you will get a lot of great answers if you just flip on the tape and evaluate them like they're a jugs machine. And I think you, there's a lot, I call it jugs machine analysis. There's a lot of jugs machine analysis with quarterbacks, which is just looking at where they threw the ball and did it land near the wide receiver or not. Um, there are so many reasons and they happen several times a game to the point where they will screw up your charting. If you're not paying attention to it, um, Where a a ball misses, but does it miss? Should it have missed long? Should it have missed short, right? Uh, Was it actually a well-placed ball, but the wide receiver screwed up? You know, they didn't track it underneath very well or whatever, all of that stuff is common enough and difficult enough to discern that just charting, like, when I see, like, the, you know, I, accuracy uh, between 10 and 15 yard, I kind of just scoff. And I think, like, I can't really get anything out of that because it doesn't tell me about the guy's game. Um, I do. I care a lot about accuracy. Accuracy is important. But just charting it and then being like, here you go, and turning that in is it's like stable, but I don't think it gets you the sense of the quarterback that most people are looking at it might help you rank them. And it might help, you know, have a better correlation between your rankings and how it bears out or whatever. Um, but I think that you're missing out on so much depth that unless you're just trying to do a fantasy thing, you're just trying to rank it and say, you know, well, this is who I would take in the third round of a fantasy draft, which I think, I don't know. I think a lot of people want a little more than that. And that's where I want to go. But, Accuracy is the most important thing, and so let's start there. For me, when I see a pass that looks like a miss, it's an inaccurate miss, the first questions I ask is, okay, was this actually a miss, right? Or was this a miscommunication? Did the wide receiver dog the route and then it landed over? Maybe it should have been fine if the receiver ran it right. Or, you know, did the receiver overrun this route? It ended up behind him. Those are the things that I'm looking for. And again, you need a little bit of prerequisite knowledge to do that. You need to at least have a general understanding of the basic concept the offense was trying to run um again i don't i've been saying this all week you don't need to memorize a playbook or whatever right again we're maybe if you're part of a a professional scouting department maybe you do but we're fans all right we don't need to go that hard um but i think what you need to do is you just need to be able to watch that play and say okay what were they going is this just a shallow cross or was it a slant or was he supposed to sit down here what was he you know what was the receiver trying to do did they read it right um and just sort of try your best to glean what is going on if you don't recognize the concept outright and if you don't have like actual familiarity with it. Um, so that's the first question, was was this actually a miss? If this was actually a miss, um, then I start looking at, okay, why? Why was this a miss? That question is so much more important to me than how often they miss. Um, and I, I think you're kind of hearing a lot of this this week of i i I much prefer to look at quality over quantity you know like how often you screw up is one thing but why you are screwing up is another because you could make the same mistake 20 times a game if i fix that mistake if i make it so you never make it again you're a better player than someone that makes a different mistake you know 10 different mistakes one time each a game you know i'd much rather take the guy that makes the same mistake 20 times right um even though that guy's probably going to have worse production and all that stuff that that guy seems easier to fix um but I have to understand, at least, maybe you don't even agree with that. Maybe the guy who makes fewer mistakes, you still want, And that's totally fine. But we, we got to figure out who's who, right? So you have to look at it and um, gather that information. So with quarterbacks, the first thing when there's a miss, the first thing I look at is um, where would he have wanted to miss, right? Like, I'll see a go ball, and, you know, the corner covered the receiver really well, right? He's in phase, and everybody's happy, Right or everybody in defense is happy, and they're both running down the field, and then the ball lands five yards over, that kind of miss does not bother me that much. Because typically, you're taught, quarterbacks are taught, that you'd rather miss over where nobody can catch it than under where that can be a wide receiver, or where that can be an interception. Now, I will say, there are people pushing back on that nowadays, uh, and they say actually under is better because you've got a chance to make the receiver go back through the the uh, you can do the back shoulder thing. Receiver can come back through the corner. You might you you have a really high chance to get DPI. I actually think analytically under is better, uh, but I don't know if it's been studied that close. So maybe not right. But either way, know what you think that guy's been coached. I think most of these kids are being still being coached to go over. So when it goes over, they're just doing what their coaches tell them to. Um, but if there's a guy wide open and it sails, you know, five yards over his head, you go, oh man, you just beefed that one. If there is a safety coming, right? Safety's coming over the top, and they throw the safety out of the play, but they go too wide, and the and the receiver can't do it anyways. I will much rather take that than one where you didn't see the safety, or you know you threw to the wrong side. Um, I I will use the phrase often. You know, it's one thing to miss, but did he put it where he meant to put it? Right. It's one thing if if the receiver's got to go do something extra for it, but maybe he meant to do that. And with, with some of the like amateurish charting projects that are out there. You, you will see them not really give that benefit of the doubt. You'll see, you'll hear things. Well, the wide receiver had to adjust to that ball. It wasn't very good. Well, maybe that's okay because if he's throwing the safety out, you're kind of trusting your wide receiver to do that work for you, right? You can ask your receiver to lean his route a little bit. If he's tracking the ball, if that means the safety's out of the play and you get a touchdown, you should be able to trust that, right? You don't have to, you know, these guys are, this is not like the pro bowl competition where everybody's on a straight track. And if you make them go off the straight track, it's wrong. Right? Um, it's a dynamic system with defenders and everything like that. So then I look at the mechanics after that. That's when I, if it kind of passes those two checks where, okay, this ball should have been here and it did not land here. Something went wrong. He sailed it. It went high. It went left. It went right. He, he didn't put enough, whatever, under, over, whatever it is. If I can say, okay, no, this went wrong and there wasn't a reason for the ball to be here then I'm looking at mechanics, which is what I'll get into next. Um, but before I do that, let me talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is built and built March madness is going on. We have our own little bracket of all the different built flavors, bar and puff their marshmallowy kind, which is absolutely fantastic. And you can get involved. So go pick your favorite flavor. Coconut brownie chunk is I'm not even a coconut guy, but that one is just unreal. That's mine. Um, there's a, I think, a double brownie puff one that, that used to be around. Um, whatever it is, go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. You can vote for your favorites. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing to win 50 well, uh, 50 of you will win a free box of Built, and one of you will get a 12 month subscription to Bilt to have Built's best parser puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built; It's the best protein bar ever. It is covered in 100% chocolate, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, and is chock full of protein. It's absolutely impossible and you got to get your hands on this. So go to BuiltMarchMadness.com, vote for your favorite, see if you can't get lucky and get a little bit of free Built. but whatever it is, hop in and support your pick. Thanks a million for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out Patreon. I ha- I did have a couple of Patreon episodes come out uh, this week as well, even though I'm out of town. I, I got those all scheduled out, so uh, do go check those out. And also check out Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. They're doing a full-on Locked On NFL Scouting show. That is a-, a draft-centric show Monday through Friday, so go check that out. For me, let's keep talking about QBs. And now I want to talk about mechanics. So I got this question a while ago that's like, what what are QB mechanics? What should I be looking for? And I kind of thought, okay, that is a whole episode, but I think I can get to a lot of it right now. Um, so when you see inaccuracy, typically I that's mechanics to me. So here's what I think you want ideally, but this all comes with the caveat that it's a little bit like a baseball swing where guys can kind of do it different or like a golf swing maybe. Y'all remember Jim Furyk? The golfer is he still going? Uh, and his his swing was the weirdest swing in the world. But he was it was always it always worked. Um, and I think it's a little bit like that. We're like, look, if it works for you, it works for you. But if you're if we're seeing a lot of inaccuracies, we got to look to see what the the mechanical problems are. So what I want to see are feet firmly in the ground, and much like baseball or golf. It's the same biomechanical torque movement, right? Where you want to, to maximize... Like, the most power that you can generate when you're throwing a ball is via torque by twisting your body and then untwisting it rapidly, do the rubber band thing, right? That's base, that's biomechanics and it's physics. Um, and to get that to happen, your lower half needs to be very still when you throw. Maybe you step into it, right? You, you want to kind of step your way into that um, to sort of like maximize the release of that torque um but you don't what you don't want to see is you'll see a lot of bouncing right um i don't mind a little bit of bouncing when you're just standing there in the pocket reading but when it's time to throw get those cleats in the dirt you know you don't want to see them going mid jump we've got jump like will levis is a jump passer and it kills him because he jumps up and then the ball goes high because he threw it from high because he was jumping (laughs) so you don't want that right um, you want that nice, stable base. Of all of the quarterbacks that I've scouted so far, the, probably the most stable throwing base comes from Hendon Hooker, and he's still inaccurate for different reasons, but that part of it is very sound and and secure, and you can get good arm strength out of that. Um, then you want to see the ball should release right about by your ear hole, and you want a nice like 90-degree arm angle when they do that. That particular part, the ninety-degree arm angle, is something that absolutely can be adjusted on the fly. You know, you you know the side arms and all that stuff that can happen, but you got to be able to get, you, you got to have the arm to to get away with it. And essentially, when all of that stuff is good, then you can kind of. It's really easy to to deliver an accurate ball when those mechanics are are there. You can t- kind of expect that to be consistent, and if it isn't, like with Hendon Hooker, you might have a bigger spacing, like a spatial processing issue I guess is the way that I would put it like it's something where okay I don't know if he just doesn't have that control over how much mustard he is putting on it he just doesn't have a good sense for how much again I compare it to golf a lot and baseball a lot because I think there are not only physical similarities but mental similarities um but you know it's it's like a golfer coming out and not knowing how many yards he needs to put on his seven iron Right. Like, oh, I think my seven iron goes, I don't know, it goes does it go 180 or does it go one ninety? I don't really like a professional golfer would know that intimately, right? And I think Hendon Hooker doesn't know how how much his five iron has on it, you know. Um that that's my best guess for why he's he's got deep ball issues a, a lot of the time. Um, and then sometimes he just gets like too casual with it and then he'll like worm burn a screen and it's horrible. But whatever it is, you know, you kinda have to like investigate that um but what i really see most often with inaccuracy this is true of levis this is true of anthony richardson it's even true sometimes of the top two guys stroud and, and young although those guys are way 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 less often with this um if you don't have the right mechanics if you're bouncing a little bit if your feet are moving around too much if you don't have a good base you want your feet about shoulder width apart so if they're wider than that or narrower than that it can be hard um if you don't have a good base you're not generating power off of that torque and you're probably naturally going to try to compensate by just throwing it harder. And you throw it harder, you're just not going to have as much control over the the trajectory of the ball, and then you start spraying them. That's mechanics in a nutshell. You also want to see, um, with a drop back, you want to see rhythm. Um, There's a great quick game clinic that I believe is still up on CoachTube from Andrew Janoco when he was with the Vikings um, talking about quick game, and how he installs it it's really informative and i think it's if you got i think it's like 25 bucks to watch so if you got 25 bucks lying around and you want to do that for a sunday afternoon um i strongly recommend it but he wanted it everybody coaches like what the actual cadence is differently and that depends on like the offense but he wanted step 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 like and he would drill it with like that kind of rhythm almost musically in mind so what you want to see what whatever the rhythm and the cadence is you want to make sure that it's the same every single time because if you take too long now you're going to start rushing your process your your lower half won't be as stable you're going to lose torque you're going to lose accuracy um if you don't if you do it too quickly then you know your rhythm might be up the ball might leave early or maybe you've you've rushed it to be too early and you can maybe be a little more casual about it. Maybe you're not getting a perfect base because you're rushing it, you know, and and you have more time where you can really set up the way you want. So, um, there is a temporal aspect to quarterback play that I think goes a little underrated. You know, I see, A lot of people talk about how quarterback, there are so many people, there's PFF and there's SIS and there's all these other little independent scouting projects that all talk about how accurate a quarterback is. I don't see a single damn one that talks about if that quarterback throws early or late a lot. (laughs) Maybe they just call that accuracy, uh, but it's not, you know, can you hit the tire, right? It's not, can you throw throw the ball through the tire? It's, can you deliver the ball where it's supposed to be, when it's supposed to be? And you might, think that that sounds familiar because that's exactly what i talked about with wide receiver as well those guys have to agree all right after you know six steps six beats six seconds whatever we want to call it well that's that's be insane six seconds you know two and a half seconds i'm going to be here and the ball better be on the way to there and if the ball's not on the way to there or if the receiver isn't in the right place that play is going to be that much less likely to work out um so those are some of the things we want to see the rhythm we want to see that stable base we want to see um you know, good fluidity, I guess, with, with the movements, a quick release is great, but, but by no means is it necessary. Uh, obviously quick release is better than a slow release, but I've seen plenty of quarterbacks get away with a slow release as long as they, uh, know how to like work the pocket and avoid pressure and stuff, which is, I guess the next thing that I have to talk about, uh, which is pocket presence, is such a nebulous term. You go, oh, that, that guy has bad pocket presence or whatever, but what the heck does that mean? And I want to talk about the real basic building blocks of po- pocket presence the way I think that uh, that pocket presence should be and with the full understanding that dudes disagree with me on this and people who are smarter than me disagree with me on what pocket presence like should be. Um, I'm going to share my opinion with you, but take it as you will. Maybe you disagree. I think that's totally valid. Um, before I do that, though, let me talk to you about a good Old go ramble. It's FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and part of the reason that it's America's number one sports book is because you can sign up right now if you're new and get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets back if you whiff on that first bet. If your first bet does not win, that is up to one thousand dollars. In bonus bets, just go to fandle.com slash locked on. You can sign up today to get that no sweat first bet. And you can wager on everything from money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net uh, for the NCAA tournaments. You can s- smash a whole bunch of things together player props and, a, and an over and a spread. Uh, all into one big parlay and try to get a better payout. Whatever you do, make sure you first go sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Okay. So pocket presence. Um, When I hear pocket presence, I think mostly what I, what people are talking about is how well they evade pressure. Right. But that is like the most extreme and obvious. And I think it's the easiest to see example. But if you look more closely you'll be able to see um, pocket presence is a game of angles. When a defensive lineman wins on the outside shoulder of an offensive lineman, you drift a little bit to the inside. And now you are once again, you've put the lineman between the defensive, the the defender and yourself. And that's what you want to do. And that's what O-line wants to do. O-line's job is be between the defender and the quarterback. And the quarterback's job is move yourself so that, the offensive lineman can do that. And the worst pocket present stuff I see, and it drives me absolutely insane. Um, Kirk was better about this in 2022, but this was a huge thing with him, is that he would drift and put and, and ruin the offensive lineman's angle. The lineman parks himself between the defender and the quarterback, and then the quarterback moves so that that's no longer true. What are you doing, right? And I think for a lot of people, it's just a, an inner clock. And sometimes it's a rhythm clock. Like cor- some quarterbacks will be instructed to just have like, okay, boom, 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 boom. Okay. That's too much. Now you have to go. Pressure's probably on you. You have to go. And they're not even looking at the pressure. And this is what Kirk cousins would do. He wouldn't look at the front. He wouldn't look at the pressure. He just had an internal clock and you either go or you don't. So, it, it kind of made it so that he would bail on clean pocket he would bail. If, if the protection was good, he would bail on it. And if the protection was, was bad and it, and pressure came before his clock was up, he wouldn't see it coming. I think he changed that a little bit in 2022. And I think it made them a little better versus pressure um, or, or a little bit more sustainable versus pressure, I guess is what I would say. Like a lot of third down explosiveness and stuff that I think was, was due to that. But if I'm scouting a college quarterback, I want to see him be aware of, the, I do not want to see quarterbacks do that. Like, you know, that was Kirk's game. And if that worked for him, that worked for him. Um, but it came with those drawbacks, right? So if I'm scouting a, a college quarterback, especially a college quarterback who is supposed to replace and improve upon Kirk Cousins, I think that's one of the the areas that you can do it. And I see somebody like Bryce Young, who's totally pie in the sky, is the god of this. So A, he does not bail on the pocket, right? Um, you can break the pocket, you can run around, you can go go do your your crazy runaround thing, right? All these quarterbacks have it. All these top four all have some version of that game. Um, but Bryce Young's in particular, he refuses to leave the pocket. He wants to, to rescue the pocket. And I love that you get a little bit of pressure, adjust your angle, put the O-lineman back between you and the, the, the defender. And now he can continue his block and he, and he wins a rep that he that he actually lost, but you just set him up so he can win it anyways. Now you're still in the pocket. Now oops, I got a clean pocket and I can just like continue operating with no pressure on me. That's perfect. But when you see a little flash of color and your instinct is to run, um that is, you know, that's something about Will Levis that I do not love. He does, he's not a pocket rescuer. I want to see you rescue them before you bail on them. And then sometimes, okay, dude's just coming at me. I cannot rescue this pocket. I just got to start running around. And if you have that natural ability, that's great too. But I would much rather you rescue pockets than break pockets. And I'd rather have you break pockets than take sacks. And then there's the actual reads. Reeds are the hardest thing. And I think if you aren't familiar enough with how these offenses work, how reads progress and stuff like that. And you just don't have the base of knowledge and you just can't do reads again. I I don't think that there's shame in that. Um, make a guess, be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Um, but usually you can sort of reverse engineer it and discern it. You can look at the helmet stripe, look at where his eyes are going and saying, okay, he's probably looking at that guy, then that guy, then that guy. And you don't necessarily need to be right about that all the time, but all you need to understand is, is he going from one, one route to the next? Is he looking off a safety? Then he's uh, you know looking back, what what's happening downfield that he could be looking at, right? And you can usually piece this together if you do a little bit of deduction, or at least get close. Um, and with reads, then even if you don't, like if you understand what reads are happening, and you can see him go one, two, three, four, and you can be really impressed by that, that's awesome. But if you don't have that prerequisite knowledge, and I'm like, I don't, ha- I'm not great at that. Um, that's okay because you can still say, "Wow, he went whatever those reads were." He went through them very fast, and so I can kind of mark down that he did that very quickly. Um, and then a, a lot of reads are just sort of a series of yes/no's, uh, and it depends on the read. There's lots of different kinds of reads. There's um kind of spatial. There's like reading a defender where you go, "Okay, if he goes high, I throw low. If he goes low, I throw high. Right? If he goes left, I throw right. If he goes right, I throw left." That kind of defender read, like a stretch. You'll hear that like a Uh, a defender stretch, horizontal stretch or a vertical stretch. Um, There's that kind of read. There's just one, two, three, four, five reads that are just literally basic, you know, across the field. You'll see it in the red zone a lot where it's just, is that guy open? 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 Which one do I want to throw to? Um, And what, what you have to be careful of is if you see one, two, three, four, five, if you see five wide open, don't be mad at if, you know, the pressure comes before he's through two. You know, pressure is instant and, oh, he didn't see the guy wide. Well, that would have been the fifth guy. They never get to it. Um, that's the thing with Reed. So for me, Reed's judging whether or not a quarterback can read. All you have to do is look at, you know, are they reading the full field or are they just doing a half field read? Like, like Hendon Hooker is somebody I, I just talked about a lot. That's why he's kind of on my mind. Um, it, he's reading half of the field. Uh, and you can tell that he goes through whatever his front side read is, whatever side of the field he sees, he goes through it and then he either bails or he throws it away or whatever. He never goes over to the other side and says, what are those guys up to? Um, so that's an issue, right? So you want, that's something you want to look for. Can I find a rep where the guy looks at a bunch of stuff on the front side, doesn't like it for whatever reason, and then looks to the back side and likes that. Now that's going to be a better quarterback. The top four guys, you can see all of them doing that. Even Anthony Richardson, who is famously so raw and only played 13 games or whatever. Um, you can see him doing that. And that's that's really exciting for for a kid with that little experience. But the real impact, I think, of reads is just as context for whatever else happened on the play. Um, you know, don't just look at a play, pause it, figure out who's open, and then say quarterback bad for not finding it. You got to understand what it would have taken for him to get all the way through to that read, or maybe that guy was the first read. And he he looks right at it and then he comes off it. And you're going, why'd you come off that? That was right there, right? Now that's a question, why did he come off it? Or why didn't he come off something? This is a big Levis thing for me, and Hooker's really bad at it too. Um, you know, you're looking at and Richardson is meh at this. Uh, you know, if he's looking at at something and waiting for it to come open when it's very clear it's not going to come open, like the the cornerbacks and the perfect leverage for it or whatever you know, you're going to come off of that, progress, progress past that. And if you won't progress past that, then oh, that's something you say, okay, he locks in a little bit. You hear stare down a lot. That's what people are talking about. Um, that's really, really basic stuff. And again, it doesn't engage like super well with exactly what guys are looking at. And I think on the general level, we can't, I can't really talk about it because it's all so situation and it's guy to guy, offense to offense, play to play um you have to kind of make those those decisions on the fly based on what you think is happening on this play and again i i'm a i'm a firm believer uh, go be wrong but be willing to you know be okay with being wrong on that stuff because with quarterback you just will be wrong i have my opinions on guys some of them uh, somebody's going to be wrong right i'm going to be wrong about s- some portion of these guys whether it's half of them or all of them i'm going to screw something up here i'm totally at peace with that um because you know that's like how how we have to learn and and it's the draft everybody thought you know i mean this is the, the classic ryan leaf thing right that's the, the the textbook example next to hey look everybody thought he was this big you know he was all that it didn't work out for whatever reason if we can look it through and say what was that reason and and come to peace with what we got wrong why we got it wrong and that's how we learn and so i'm excited to go through that process um, with all of these positions. And thank you for uh, hanging out with this scouting series. Um, again, I will be back on Monday. I'll talk about whatever news we missed, do a mock draft, do the whole thing. We're deep into draft season now. So whatever happened all week, uh, if, if anything happened, maybe it'll be a really quiet week. kind of feels like it might be, I don't know. This might That might be a really, really, it's like a gigantic trade happened on Wednesday or something. And I'm like, I don't know. It feels quiet. Maybe that'll be really funny. But again, I'm I'm pre-recording all of this. So, you know, roast me accordingly. Um, I'll see you guys all on Monday. And as always, skull.